Welcome to Beer 30 Live. We're live. Jamie. <laughs> Pete. It's just us today. How is how did that happen? This is uh this is retro throwback. Day. I'm telling you. It is. It's been a long time since we've done a show together. Uh, Besides just us. It's been I'm over a year. Over a year. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know or haven't listened, we started out together doing this kind of as, as an experiment when we were at Phoenix. Yeah, University of Phoenix. Uh, yeah. The Rapid Seminars. Right, right. right. To, to help teach, give students tips on how to do things. And I think our very first one was on PowerPoint or something mm -hmm. like that. And then we evolved to Tuesday Noon. Yep. And yep. then we're, and we certainly have moved from PowerPoint all the way to beer. To beer, and, and exactly. I, which I am is very a, which happy. Is the right, that's the right way to do it, I our, think. Our evolution is good. <laughs> we're headed in the right we're, direction. We're headed in the right direction. You know, uh, I have some Phoenix news today. You do? Yeah. Wow. I don't work there anymore. Woo-hoo! High five! <laughs> yep, that's right. As of, as, of, uh, as of today, effective immediately, I am no longer gainfully employed at all. So what are you doing now? I, uh, I'm going uh, full-time freelance. Freelance marketing, production. Uh, uh, 20 bucks at a time on a stage with yeah. high heels. <laughs> whatever, whatever works. Yeah. Whatever works. <laughs> I, I am a cheap date. I thought I saw you on Craigslist. Bored housewife? Need a friend for an hour? <laughs> Tater tots and RC Cola. Yeah. That's all it takes to get me friendly. So you're, you're tell me a little about it. So you're freelancing, helping out with what, Marcom? Yep, or, or? yep. Yep, Marcom, my initial clients are, you know, frankly, doing podcast production, helping clients reach that out funny? and, and, uh, oh, and I tell their stories. Career. How you launched my career. <laughs> you notice how I spun that yeah, into, I was responsible for your success. That's right. And yeah. you know what? I will let you think that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I am, uh, I am actually thrilled to be, uh, to be on my own and, and to be, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. We've talked about it before. It's the, the sort of running your own show, you know, being responsible for it. And the way I, I phrase this, you know, it's like over the course of my years, I mean, years at Phoenix, I was there almost, a, you know, seven years I was there, you know, it's like the hair under a decade, it feels like. And, and uh, you know, I started at a campus and, and worked up into the corporate offices and, and uh, uh, as a director in the organization, I realized there was, it's, there's a big weight on your shoulders, you know, working at a yeah. company job, and there's a lot of stress. And, and I feel like I've thrown that weight off my shoulder, and, and now, uh, uh, you know, it's like, a, it's like a nice shiny anchor tied around my neck. Yeah. You know, but yeah. it's a new weight, and I can, I can own this You're weight. You're reinventing yourself. Exactly. I, it's funny. We're, we were talking with uh, the lady who came around and helped us, and it's funny because her sister works here, too, and... We're all confused about which oh, yes. is which. We are, we are at uh, McMiniman's uh, yes, John Barleycorn. And, uh, oh, by the way, real quick. So Shane's not here because he's... He is uh, camping in camping. the woods and drinking, I am sure. Uh, Mary... We don't know where she I'm is. I'm not sure. She, I know she's not uh, hunting the Huntavirus or we, something. Yeah, so. we know she told us she wasn't going to be here. We just don't and We, we didn't listen to up, and He's uh, not here. He's not here. So it's just two of us, tots and beer, and, and, and here we are. So... Uh, you and I were saying earlier, in today's day and age, you reinvent yourself over and over. I think about my father's generation, or, or really before that, even the blue collar, work at this job, do this industrial thing over and over, and now we've become more intellectual and not necessarily intellectual, information based, and you can reinvent yourself. And so for you, it's mm -hmm. working up the corporate ladder and then saying, hey, I've got some really good skills, these are cool, let me go out and do it on my own. Yeah. And, yeah, see what I can do. It feels good, and you know, I, I like that you bring up that reinventing yours. I mean, when I my first job, uh, I was a, I was a conductor on a tourist train and fixing Cummins diesel engines. You know, I mean, oh my was, God, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. Is that really? Because my truck is not acting, working very well. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anymore. I mean, that was oh. twenty years ago. Oh, I don't think I I'm the just, guy you want to do okay, that now. I but, just second, because uh, yeah, you're freelancing yeah. now and you're probably cheap. <laughs> I'll buy another beer if you yeah, can get that baby right. running. Yeah. No, I, you know, but uh, I mean, back in those days, it's like you think, gosh, how could I make a career out of this? And I, I didn't. Moved on to something else. And I thought at that point, how could I make a career yeah. out of this? You know, I mean, we were talking, I think it's three or four times, you know, you, you sit and think. And gosh, did you I ever imagine when here. you're fixing diesel engines or a train conductor that, that you'd be, hey, how can I, and all these years later, I'll be podcasting, I'll be thousands of listeners yeah. listening to my opinion over the internet. Uh, yeah. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? That's I think wild. of that every day. Well, I'm glad every you're day. out. What, what was your first job? What was your first job? I, I, I grew up in a farming community. Oh, so, yeah. So yeah. uh, I don't think you have a job in so much as you have a lifestyle. Yeah. And it, it has seasons. And in the springtime, 
you you might plow the weeds under and stuff. You you know you're getting ready for the next year. Summer comes, you harvest your wheat. You know that's what the, we were not farmers specifically. We lived in a farming community. Uh, my dad is a high voltage electrician, but. Uh, and then after harvest, which I would either drive truck or combine or run a grain elevator, then it became taking care of the fields and getting them ready for winter, which oddly enough is p uh, one of the big chores is what they call picking rock. Okay, so imagine yeah, I don't know this. what that is. <laughs> yeah, a uh, couple of kids, you know, truck, uh, uh, not, not a huge semi, but a large truck that's got a big bed and you walk behind it in this dusty field, take turns walking, and you pick, literally pick up rocks, maybe anything larger than your fist, and you throw them in the back of the truck. And you do that all day for sun up to sun down. Now you, you get pretty buff, you look pretty cool and all that, but it is the most boring, <laughs> the, the most mindless job you can imagine. Wow. Why do you do this? Well, because the rocks are hard in the equipment. Yeah. Because you suck it up into the header and it breaks things. So yeah. really, you want to get it out. Now you're not going to get it all out, and every year more come up, mm -hmm. right? Just so it's a never-ending job. Yeah. So people did it for a hundred years before me, and they'll be doing it for a hundred <laughs> another hundred years, years and, and you just walk around and pick up rock. But it really sounds like something to keep you busy. So I don't want you to go outside and pick up some rock. <laughs> exactly. Get out of here. You you're getting too much trouble. Yeah. Go, you know, go pick the rock out of that field. Okay. Uh, so that, that was really my, uh, so yeah. I've always worked in that respect. Yeah. And then I went to college and, and cause I didn't want to pick rock for the rest of my life. Yeah. Got a bachelor's degree in software engineering. Lord knows how they even let me get out. Which is interestingly sort of like picking rocks. Yes. <laughs> well, I think in a lot of ways when I got it, it was more like, we probably shouldn't graduate him, but he's more of a menace here, so let's get him out <laughs> before he causes any more damage to himself or the institution. And you know, we've never heard of anybody getting an honorary bachelor's degree, but, <laughs> but let's, let's, let's give, give this it one to a try. Jamie to get him out of here. And then from there, you just start working and you know, you reinvent yourself. Let's try this, yeah. or I like this, or I like that. And, and you know, and then today, flip flops, t shirt. <laughs> By the way, did I show you my? I got these new flip flops. They're the best. They're the best. We're gonna. We need to put a picture, picture of the, skulls uh, on them. Picture of those. I mean, how awesome is that? <laughs> <laughs> Doing what I love in a beer thirty t shirt with flip flops with flip skull shorts with flip <laughs> skulls on them. That's fantastic. <laughs> Living the high life, folks. <laughs> did what? I ever tell you? I got a farm story. Did I ever tell yeah. you my farm story when I was a kid? It's not sheep or anything. It's right? horses. Or I grew up uh, in, this is around a PG, horses. But, but go ahead. Sort All of. Right. PG-13 at okay. least. All right. I, uh, I grew up uh, in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And uh, family was always in horses, show horses. I showed horses as a kid, Western, Western show. And, yeah. And so grew up around horses. And I, my, uh, my dad's Uncle Jim is just old cowboy. And he ran this big farm. We used to go out helping bale hay, and I mean, yeah. he used to do the work. Right? Oh yeah, fuck hay. So we man. went out. Uh, we went out riding horses. Uh, we went out. My dad, my uh, his uncle Jim, and me went out riding. I was probably eleven, and uh, we, were, we were coming back up to the barn, and uh, I was on a, a cute little filly, apparently, because this big old horse comes up behind <laughs> while I'm on the horse. <laughs> Stay with me. I, and pictures are starting to form in my head. And mounted me. <laughs> Well, the I horse, the with, horse with, yeah. with, with you I, on the there horse. There I am, sandwiched between these two horses, <laughs> right? I've got hooves, like, down pinning me to the horse, and I'm getting, I am not, I, oh kid, you, God. I <laughs> kid you not. And so there's my dad. Can you make it fast? Because I can't <laughs> breathe down here. <laughs> there's my dad and my uncle who, you know, they're uh, freaking out. Because you could, I mean, there's horses it, are not small. Yeah, it could it have been a, a very serious accident. There's a lot of weight and yeah. an enormous amount of friction yeah and uh <laughs> and there i was uh no i how old were you i was i was probably 11 oh my you know gosh. and what do you say? i mean my dad's in hysterics at this oh. whole time and panic yeah, yeah. Uh, my uncle or his uncle jim's just, get would you get out of the way pete <laughs> just get out of the way It's like, do you think I'm enjoying this? Yeah. I mean, what, what the hell am I supposed to do? I don't know. Love of God, I got 1,400 pounds of stallion on my back. I don't know why it's quite, quite working right, but I can't stop. So <laughs> it's feeling a little different than is I remember that, uh, from last time. Is that a terrible story? Oh, that's, I man. carry that one around. That's, that's a... 
I'm wondering if you might be about the only person in the whole world that's ever had that. And I'm serious. I'm like, this does not happen often. You might want to check with like the Guinness Book of World's Records and you had witnesses and everything. Because, you know, only man in the world to be mounted by a, a large stallion from behind while riding a filly. I mean, there's got to be a category. You know, what yeah. can I say? I, I, I can't top that. I ride cute horses. <laughs> Should be a bumper sticker for you. <laughs> I ride cute horses. Man, all right. The show, uh, it's, we're like five minutes into it. We've already completely uh, degraded the show. But let's, let's... How far we have come, though, from um, the rapid seminar. Yes. <laughs> to, we really... To, to being mounted by a stallion on Philly. Dude, I ride cute fillies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right, do we have news? We do have <laughs> I mean, news. We have, you look at you, you have a whole list of news. I, I grabbed a piece of paper uh, mm -hmm. right here. Yes, I do. Let's talk about it. What do we have? Well, the first one that I had written down actually was related to uh, to you. I mean, you and I have both worked at Phoenix. Sure. As, as a disclaimer, and Phoenix is, uh, as an institution, certainly it has its its uh, supporters and its detractors. And I mean, you and I still both teach there. And mm -hmm. I mean, I love my students that I love teaching. And there's so much cool stuff that happens. But... Because, and, and it's important to recognize that because that's a big one for me that I'm, you know, even as a, as a now former employee, I have a lot of respect for the classroom environment. Absolutely. I really do. I mean, I, I, mean, that saying. I mean, you and I have sat down over a number of beers and talked about things that if we were in charge, we would clearly run yeah, differently. Who, you know, who, who doesn't right. do that about their organization? Uh, but I have nothing but good things to say about the students and the things that we do in the classroom. And, and I see amazing things in classrooms from a lot of teachers and a lot of students. Notwithstanding, the detractors of Phoenix are a very interesting bunch. And, and there, there's this website, uopsucks.com. Yeah. I think there's a suck site for everything. Yeah. There are a lot of suck sites. Uh, and I... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> You're and there's this picture of this guy on a horse. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I, ca I casually watch it because it's almost entertainment. Okay? Yes. Because here are people who, who somehow claim, and I don't know how to say this in a way that's nice, I'm sure smart, well-meaning people who, who get on and basically post stories or their evidence of why this institution is horrible, right? And, right. And, and, and I've watched this over and over, and I find myself at you know, midnight when I'm getting ready to go to bed and I'm kind of surfing a little, laughing at, quite frankly, some of the arguments that people make. Like what? Uh, I'll give you an example. There was one there the other day that, uh, and then I'll tell you what, I, what I've decided to do about it. So, <laughs> oh, so there was one man. the other day that, that this guy was talking about how bad the university was, and he said this. He said, said, I could go to any community college and pay less money and get a better education. That, that was his conclusion. And so I quietly I, I sat down and I said, I said, if you were in, in a nice way, if you were in my critical thinking class on the very first night, we, mm -hmm. we would talk about assumptions. Mm -hmm. So the assumption is, in his case, uh, I could go to any community college and pay less money. Well, that may be true, but that's true for any university. So it doesn't right. prove anything because mm -hmm. community college is cheaper than a four-year university. Mm -hmm. Go figure. Mm -hmm and get a better education. No, that's false. That, that's just categorically not true. You don't know that. You might have some good classes, some well, bad yeah, classes. So, what community so, college are you yeah, going So to, you're yeah. going to make a generalization that says UOP sucks, and I can guarantee <laughs> you I can go to any community college and get a better degree. Dude, you have proved to me that you're not doing very good in school no yeah. matter where you're yeah. going because you're not thinking. It's, it's this. And it really, it, for some reason, it's kind of gotten my goat. I'm like, people think before you put that kind of stuff out there. So what are you doing about it? You said you were going to do I started about a dialogue it. with the admin saying, listen, dude, yeah. you, you got to think about these things. You, if you want to have the site, that's fine. And, and you want people to post stuff, that's mm -hmm. fine. But to, to spout things without putting a rational argument behind there or arguments that are based in very little fact it, it is really irresponsible and misleading and is keeping people potentially from you know an education that might be good. So... So let's, let's begin a dialogue about how do you think through these things because yeah. it's not as bad as you make it out to be. It's only bad because you want it to be bad. Because every, it was bad for you. Because it was bad for you. Then it yeah. must be bad for everybody. Right. And it, that's a frustrating place to be. Ah, and, and I feel almost sorry for him to carry that around with them. It reminds yeah. me of, uh, I, had a, I had a lady one time, and this was in the 04 elections, 
He says, well, well, Kerry's going to win. I said, how do you know? Because everybody I know is going to vote for Kerry. I talked to all, everybody, all my friends. I'm like, but, but we know statistically you only have about 150 meaningful relationships. Mm -hmm. So at max, 150 people it's are going to vote for Kerry. It's not a of 300 million. <laughs> right, that doesn't tell me anything. Yeah. And, and so then when he loses, and he does, and she's all disappointed, well, how did it happen? Well, that was easy because she has lame friends. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't put up. That's right. Uh, and, or they lied to her or whatever. And so it's the same thing with sites like that. If you have somebody on there come says, well, everybody who comes here or, or the bulk of the people come here said they had a bad experience, therefore it must suck. Well, come on, how many did you get? A thousand, two thousand? I mean, they have hundreds of thousands of students. Yeah. That's not even relevant. And, and so if you're going to, he can do anything he wants, it's a free country, but I decided instead of just laughing at it, saying, well, let's engage in a dialogue. Yeah. Let's talk about it. So what was the response? I mean, are they willing to uh, have a dialogue? Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't do it in terms of a, of a dialogue yeah. of saying, I'm going to question you. I just started picking things out yeah. and said, here's, here's what you said. Here's your premise in it. Let's pick it apart because it's, it's really not a very good argument. Right. And so if we can debunk that, then tell me what your premise is. Yeah. And, and so I, I'm kind of starting this. Let's talk, let's talk. And what I would like to do at some point, if I can develop a better relationship with him and, or whoever the admin is, maybe get him onto the show or something to just talk. And I think that would be a great show. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Yeah, yeah, why not? So that's my strategy. That's I'm, a good strategy. I'm getting there. Give me some time. So, University of Phoenix sucks.com listeners. Well, it's got to be all over. Howard Stern yeah. sucks. We're One saying of the, early. Any of the sucks.com. <laughs> Come on. Because, you know, I, I don't know. I. There have got to be, for every cause, there has to be an anti-cause. Uh, yeah. Right? I mean, that's absolutely. just the way the cosmos is yeah. orchestrated. Uh, it, but, you know, we just need to make sure that it's the right kind of cause. Yeah. That you're carrying around the right, that you're, you're pushing the right argument. Yeah, and if you're pushing a argument based upon val invalid assumptions or presumptions, then really you just, then you come off as uncredible and... and, and it, it's like kind of a waste, if you ask me. I mean, yeah, but it, that's me. It is. Uh, so, anyways, that's that, that's my strategy. If anybody wants to start a site, beer30live.com or beer30livesucks.com, yeah. we encourage you to do that. Please don't. Yes, we do. No, because, we don't. Yes, we do. Because what that means is people care. All right. So if they're writing about us and vlogging about that, we stink. Then, then I know we have arrived. Then you know what? Start this size. Beer thirty live. WeCare.com. Yeah, let's do, do that, that one do as that well. One. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm just telling you, if I mean, you if you care enough about the show to say we're not any good, yeah, then we would we would listen every week and and bitch about how we're not any good and have fun. <laughs> well, I you know it's different about University of Phoenix because there's a place that strives to have substance. We strive for no such thing. Uh, only <laughs> the pontification that we seem to. <laughs> uh, oh, yes. that's too funny. Yeah. All right. Particularly when it's just the two of us, the substance factor yeah. probably drops. Through the floor. Yeah. Uh, but we are missing the, the liberal slants and leaning of, of Mary, who props up the table on that side. But anyhow, All right. what else, what do, else we do we have? News. What else? I, I wrote down uh, th today. Did, I don't know. Have you seen the news anything today? I don't, I don't know. I know you're... I've been kind of buried, but uh, what do you... What your are, last... I, I, okay, so Manhattan today. This, this just came up, struck me as funny... Uh, so three guys, and I don't know all the details. Maybe you can pull up on the computer. I'm three guys build a submersible sub. Now this isn't like a commercial sub. It's like, what? It's got to be like a, a you know inner tubes, <laughs> fifty-five wow. gallon drums, and okay. So oh, yeah, go ahead. And they're floating around Manhattan in the bay. A, it, it is a replica. It's oh. an eight foot by four foot fiberglass and wood submarine, a replica of a 1775 model called the Turtle. Cited by police after drifting too close to the Queen Mary 2. But first, that is awesome to make yeah, that, yeah. right? But absolutely. But let somebody know in advance. I mean, you're in Manhattan, for Christ's sake. You know, know. Uh, people might it's, be worried that you know, you've got oh, ammonium know, nitrate. A, a terrorist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did it ever cross your mind when building the sub and saying, hey, let Billy Bob, let's yeah. go out and float That's around? Right. That uh, submarines <laughs> are sort of naturally connected with some sort of conspiracy, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's really cool, but you, you got to think a little bit. <laughs> Somebody might want to have... I think it's an have, awesome story. I, can uh, you imagine uh, being pulled over 
for a submarine? That's brilliant. <laughs> and you're sighted for what, bobbing in the water? I don't. Well, the picture is great. Uh, this is on abcnews.go.com. It's a picture of the Queen Mary in the background, a New York City police tug sort of between the uh, submarine. Uh, it is, it's too funny. Oh, my goodness. We have, we a, have a guest. guest. <laughs> oh, imagine that. Imagine that. Come on in, Alan. How you doing? Alan Gracianet. Very good. Uh, is our guest. We're going to get you mic'd up here, uh, Alan. We, uh, we're we so got glad started. To see you. We're glad you're here. We weren't quite Thank sure what the schedule was. And so. Uh, yeah, I asked Mary if she was 3 uh, Well, Mary's, uh, as she's proven, very little unreliable. I mean, have you looked at the way she's let her body go lately? <laughs> Oh, that's Dude, you're the mean. one who said the other day that she was that looking pregnant. Mean. And I did not, and, and you didn't use the nice word for pregnant. You used the <laughs> F word. What? The F word. She said she was looking fat. Dude, you don't say that to a woman who's pregnant. You're not. I'm, I'm, you're not good people. I'm, I'm just chastising I'm just you on the air. You're not you good people. You don't tell a pregnant woman. You say she looks beautiful, that she's glowing. And she is. All she in a is row. She beautiful is and glowing. She is. And, uh, and she was, she was Coke big. or beer or whatever you want. And welcome, Alan. I think we can hear you. Speak. Okay. Hi. How are you? Hi. Hi. Hey. Well, there we go. We uh, have Alan. Go. He's on the air. Alan Gracianet. Alan Gracianet. Uh, we're so glad you could show up. We, we okay. were worried uh, we were going to miss you today, so Jamie and I were trying to do it on our own. Uh, uh, and, and, and not doing very well. Doing so very thank well. you for coming thank to you for say showing welcome. Us. That's thank very you. good. I'm glad to be here. Uh, do you want to do a couple more headlines yes. and then we'll bring Alan in? Absolutely. Right. So I have a couple more that I wrote down do that it. were kind of interesting. Uh, uh, I read an article the other day that kind of bothered me because I'm a little worried. I mean, Alan, you're a smart guy. I mean, I know you. I mean, I, I know, that, yeah, Well, I know you're very intelligent and I, and I hate to break this to you, but smart people have less sex. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 That's what the, the news I don't think said. you're supposed to answer that quickly, Alan. <laughs> No, I'm just puzzled. I'm just puzzled. He's nodding his <laughs> going, oh, yeah. He, he, yeah. Yeah, been there, done that. <laughs> he's very cultural and nationality factor because yeah. I think we French think we can be smart and in sexually active. <laughs> but it doesn't count for French. That's, That's true. true. I've, been to, I've been to France. <laughs> uh, uh, the, the headline that I read was a little misleading, uh, which goes to show that what the media does to us sometimes. It was really about... Uh, Kids, you know, younger younger kids uh, who have who are educated and are smarter and grow up in a culture of, of you know, get education, reading, all those sorts of things, and that they have sex later in life or or less sex, and they make they make better, healthier decisions. Right. So it really wasn't that the smarter you are, the less sex you have. It's it's as you're younger, you make better decisions. That's right. And uh, what they're being taught that you know, quantity is no substitute for quality. That's always been my smart. philosophy. So maybe I, it's that smart people have better sex. That's, what, that's exactly what it is. Because <laughs> you could put that on its head and, you, and, and you really reverse could. it the other way. That's Although right, a large yeah. quantity of quality sex won't hurt. <laughs> that's right. As long as we're keeping score. That's right. <laughs> as the French would say, it's all good. That should be our motto. <laughs> <laughs> well, it gets to uh, another one. The BBC News has has uh, has uh, Oxford University reporting an Oxford University study. Uh, they reviewed 13 U.S. trials in, involving over 15,000 people and found that surprise, surprise, abstinence programs have no effect on sexual activity or in sexually transmitted disease. Wow, the Pope is going to start freaking out. Yeah. I mean, well, really? I mean, I mean isn't that this, what yeah, the I mean, church... it's a, sort of a big fat duh, but, yeah. you know. And, and yet, the connection was made, however, that uh, uh, programs, uh, the, the effective programs are those that teach about how to reduce risk. That, yes, we know you're going to do it. Use a condom to reduce do it safely. HIV. Well, do it right. I, 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 would, I would still make a slight premise change, which is not, we know you're going to do it. The question is, you have a choice, and here's what that choice is, and here, here's why you make it the way you make it. And then if your choice is here, then here's, here's what you need to make sure right. you do, right? So does because that make it, sense? It's, it's that you're teaching the gray area, yeah, right? But teach All these other church smart. programs are, are black and white. They're binary. You right. do it or you don't. Right. Well, and then you feel guilty if you do do it. Exactly. And, you know, you're going to hell for it. I mean, it's, we and I were talking about critical thinking, so it goes back to teaching people to just make good decisions for themselves based upon 
good having good information and, and, and being smart and, and choose. I mean, don't, don't make it this hell and damnation and you're a bad person. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah, that's right. That's crazy. Wow. How do the French do it? Uh, all the time. All the time. <laughs> I knew as soon as I said that I was in trouble. Well, how is that? Well, it begs the question, though. How is, how is uh, mm. sexual awareness taught in France? You know, I, I would say that there is less of a uh, religious connotation. Uh, France, ever since the French Revolution, had a separation between church and state. And the reason was because for 800 years, the French third state, the peasantry and the merchants and the craftsmen, mm -hmm. felt oppressed by aristocrats and church. So ever since uh, the French Revolution, French has been, uh, France has been promoting laicity. So you have the religion. Uh, what did I miss? Laicity. You can be a like if you want, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So any, any French citizen has a right to believe or not believe and believe in whatever religion he or she feels like. Right. But the religious, you don't see the uh, overwhelming religious presence that you see maybe on American media. Mm -hmm. About you know uh, advertising that you will go to hell if you you know uh, have sex and whatever. So um, I, I would say the model is a little bit uh, more pragmatic. You know I've, yeah. I've been living in the U.S. for 22 years, and what is still amazing me uh, about America is that constant dichotomy. In one hand, we have that Puritan heritage that prevents toplet bitches. You know, but on the other hand. We invented Playboy and Penthouse. <laughs> yeah, we are. Right? We are yeah. an enigma, aren't we? Yeah. In that respect? So yeah. if if you go, you know, right now if you go to any French beach, I can assure you that whether people are French, Dutch, Belgian, German, English, Italian, because everybody is visiting the right. uh, France at the, that time of the year, I mean, you know, uh, most people would be either topless or naked or with suit. It doesn't matter. I mean, it, and nobody it, cares. Yeah, nobody cares. Uh, by the way, Beer Thirty Live is going on yeah. the road next week. <laughs> we will be in France, Germany, Belgium, wherever you are saying. <laughs> yeah, uh, Alan's going to show us all the best beaches. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. We we need uh, to, to go on a road tour. Yes, we yeah. do. Yeah. We need, we need right. to take the show out and bring it to the people. <laughs> Another example would be look at French politics, for example. You know, exactly. the, the, the two candidates who were running, uh, Sarkozy and Royale, well, Sarkozy uh, apparently has been living in and off you know, with, with his wife, so you can still be elected president of France, whether you are living with your wife or not. And Royale had four kids with her partner. They've been partnered for 25 years, and they never found the urge of getting married. Another example would be and when... And that's okay? And well, that's okay. But hold on. You can get elected American president and not live with your wife, or even particularly like her. Bill Clinton. Well, I mean, you know. Well, well, I mean, they live two times. But I see what you mean. I mean, the issue is... Yeah, exactly. I was trying to make a joke, but it didn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was a big, fat lead balloon. That was, Shut up. <laughs> and when Mitterrand was, you know, uh, buried, both his wife and his mistress were uh, at the grave attending his yeah. uh, funeral, yeah. you know? So... It's a trifecta. So I, <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is that the French, I believe, are just a bit more pragmatic. You yeah. know, not necessarily better. Right. <laughs> and certainly not faster, I'd say. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to touch pragmatic. that. No. Yeah. <laughs> Man, see what happens when you leave just Pete and I to yeah, our own devices right, right. Uh, without a little balance. Yeah. Uh, what else is on our list? Uh, Did uh, I mention ménage à trois? <laughs> is a French word, right? French French is French. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God uh, save yeah. the French. I, mm. Oh, I, and we also invented lingerie. Did I forget that? Lingerie? <laughs> yeah. Oh. It, there's so many things. But, but let, yeah, I got to stop. My brain's like, wait, okay, I got to stop. But, but this is kind of related. Uh, a little piece of news. And I don't remember the title, so forgive me all our yeah. listeners for this one. What? Uh, angry men, angry men get ahead more and angry women are, are bitches and, and get punished at work. Something like that, uh, right? Yeah, that's that a was, horrible That headline. was the article. Yeah. It, was, uh, it was on Reuters uh, uh, Newswire here and it says exactly that, that uh, uh, men who are angry at work are typically admired and promoted for it uh, while women... Uh, are penalized and often referred to as out of control. And then you get then you get this uh, comment by a, a Republican political pundit who says Hillary Clinton is too angry to be elected president. Well, and wasn't it Edward's wife that said something about Hillary wasn't feminine enough yeah. or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, same same connotation, same yeah. thing, like. Is that is that true? 
Well, first, we need a woman here. Yeah, I, I think we need to preface this a little bit. It's just three guys, right? So right. Mary's going to kill us at some point. But yeah. do women who are appear really strong at work, do they, are they penalized? I think the answer is yes. I think so too. And I think they're penalized because they, the perception, right or wrong, is that they're trying to act like a man. Yes. And if men do it, well, certainly they can be over the top, they're perceived as strong and dominating, and that is, that's something that's you admirable. want. That's, that's admirable. admirable, right. Yeah. Is that fair? Well, I think what comes to my mind is everything, and I'll try to, to link this topic to the one we're talking about. You know, uh, I think there are only a few adjectives for men who are sexually active. I think I read one time there were only seven adjectives for men, but 77 for women mm. oh, yeah. would yeah, be that sexually is. So active. So that would be the same, so, same thing. Yeah, so there is a, a, a macho culture. Uh, uh, I remember an, an example, for example, in a German language, a woman does not acquire her gender until she gets married. So essentially in German, you have three genders. You have male, female, and neutral. And a woman will not become a woman. So she would have the same gender. So the English equivalent would be he, she, and it. So a young man, a young boy, uh, soon becomes a, a he, mm -hmm. but a young a baby girl will not become a she until she's married. She oh, will remain it. So if she doesn't get married until she's 30, she will be an it until she gets married. That's fascinating. And there's a difference between Frau and Fräulein, I believe. Yeah. So Fräulein would be Mrs., but you don't be. So just to say that across cultures around the world, you have many uh, male-oriented uh, facts that affect culture and hence affect in turn the perception that the public may have of a female. So I guess what I'm trying to say that two individual male and female with the same characteristics may be perceived in different ways based on that unfair cultural context. Mm -hmm. That is fascinating. It now, is fascinating. There was a, and I, I don't have it in front of me, so I'll have to find it another time. But there was an article that I saw, must have been about a month ago, and it was studying the relationship between male and female in, in animals and stuff. And and so one of the things that, that I question when we think about this, is it an issue of, well, we're just barbaric and insensitive, okay, and, you know, or is that biologically how we are predisposed and, and you see it in, in other species as well? And, and I'm not saying that's right or fair, I'm not making a judgment, but what is it that causes it? Just because all men are animals and, and, or is it because this is how, how nature normally or has made it over time? Yeah. And we have not yet moved out of that time to where it's more equal. Does that argument? Does that, I'm not making an argument. I'm just saying, is it because you're just an ass? Yeah. No. I mean, or is that's it because really you're it. biologically it's wired, you're wired that, that way. way? Yeah. And maybe, and and that is therefore why strong women have such a hard time shaking that because they're not wired that right. way either, really. Right. I think there are also societal expectations with regards to the role of a man. Of a male or the role right. of a of a female, yeah. and, and sometimes a strong woman may be breaking the male paradigm that a female is supposed to be uh, weak. I mean, uh, an obvious example would be look at the way women are portrayed in the media. Mm -hmm. Look at beauty canons, right? Essentially, uh, uh, in today's society, a beautiful woman is a skeleton. Mm -hmm. She's a working skeleton, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, look at the atrocities. I mean, that uh, top model has to go through. Yeah. Right. It's like being a ballerina, right? I mean. They, they have it essentially to starve just to keep their, their weight and their mm -hmm. figure and whatever. And based on what? Based on the possibility of pleasing male. Which Most is of, a primal. But yeah. then, again, yeah, is, is that because they have to please a male and if they don't, they won't get ahead? Or is it because the woman in that respect, again, is, is primally and, and evolution-wise has been kind of brought to be that way? I mean, that, those are fascinating questions. Are we going to go ahead and answer those today? Uh, no, I'm going to stay away from that. Okay. <laughs> Particularly without... The last thing I was thinking of is, have you seen this show, Damages? It's a new show. It's on oh. FX, right? Glenn Close. She plays a high-end attorney. Oh, yeah. And she is... I mean, it feels like she's modeled after Hillary mm -hmm. Clinton. I mean, she's yeah. just angry, smart, and, uh, and, and owns the system. 
right? Right. But she comes off in the end as very hateful, uh, right? As as maniacal, as cruel, wow. as conniving. Yeah. You know all the things wow. that. Uh, and uh, it's a fascinating to this to this point, and it gets to the Hillary Clinton Sopranos yeah. video. You, yeah, tell us about that. Uh, well, you know, I mean, it's it was a campaign video. I thought it was a joke. Have you seen this? Yes, I have. Yes, huh? You know, I mean, she's she's sitting in the restaurant, and uh, you know, just like the end of the Sopranos, the season finale or series finale, she's sitting in the, in the diner and she's waiting to order, and and Bill comes in absolutely hangdog, and you know, just sort of wandering aimlessly and sits down and all the other sort of punditry is walking around the mafia political punditry and and then it ends and it ends up being a, a Hillary campaign a campaign video I didn't really get it why did they think that was good I don't know I mean it feels like they were going for this for this let's portray Hillary in this position of power and Bill is subservient as subservient but in the end you're portraying Hillary as a mafia kingpin as a bitch. Which is not necessarily the person I yeah. want as the, the president. Yeah. Yeah. And then is that the person she really is? Is, yeah, yeah, and exactly. We might, uh, I, two last things. And, um, Tell me about yeah, we got to male and, and female behavior. We talked a little bit about it last week. I love the show uh, Bullshit on Showtime. Yeah. So yeah. I'm totally hooked. Blah, blah, blah. So they did this They did this little expose that was kind of funny. Men have, have long, probably is they've been alive, accused of, of not looking women in the eyes. And women are like, hello, I have mm-hmm. eyes. My, you know, not just a chest, I have eyes. So they tested this out, and they took this guy in a restaurant, and they put him in some tight, like spandex-tight shorts. Okay, and they took a nice, big rubber schlong, uh-huh. and they put it in his pants. Uh-huh. And he started waiting on women. Yeah. And watched the, and recorded the, 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 the women looks. and their responses. And by God, if those women just don't stare like everybody else. <laughs> they're like, oh my God, did you see that? And when he leaves, they're pointing it out. Look, wait till he comes back. And he comes back and they're all like looking at each other, nudging each other. And I mean, they're just like, and some of them are just like staring. Yeah. You're like drool coming out of their mouth. And I'm like, that is so funny. Yeah, because that's pricey. So how, how are we different? I mean, come on. Yeah, we're not you know? Get so, over get, it. Get, get over yourself. Yeah. <laughs> We just don't look at the same latitude. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. That's right. right. Yeah. So we might have it easier, yeah. but you know. Yeah. All right. So what are we here to talk about today? We've got um, we've invited Alan on the show. We uh, now, Alan, we're talking a little bit, I believe, about uh, globalization. Globalization. That's right. Yeah. Which I think we've already started. Okay. Wonderful. Uh, so uh, tell us a little bit about your background, and, and um, you say you've been here 22 years. What got you here? What's your uh, what's your specialty? Well, uh, the only thing that could make a Frenchman ever leave France is love, of course. Of so, course. Uh, 22... Uh, riding the coattails. Yeah, you That's right. Got to ride. Because France, France doesn't bring anything else. You might as well just ride it. Is that... What? <laughs> so, no, tw- 25 years ago, yeah. I came to play rugby, actually. I came to cool. a rugby club, and we, we toured the U.S. for three weeks. And the uh, last day of the tour, I mean, uh, we're in San Diego. It was a beautiful... Uh, a day in early September, and I uh, met a beautiful uh, young lady uh, whom I invited to come visit me in France. She did, ended up spending three years in France. We got married, and then uh, at the time I was working for NCL Corporation, mm-hmm. and um, we decided to come uh, live here in the U.S. Um, NCL transferred me from Paris to L.A., and so I went on to uh, becoming a Cali- uh, an American, a Californian first, and then an American. So in 1999, <laughs> I became a dual citizen, so I was... Uh, I am the living proof that you can be both you a Frenchman and an American. You can actually become a Frenchman and an American. Right, regardless of what you hear on some yeah. media. <laughs> so there is hope. Okay. So now I spent 13 years at NCR, then I uh, studied uh, fashion design and merchandising at UCLA. No uh, kidding. Shit, and I'm dressed like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in hope to go into the sporting goods industry, which yeah. I did. Then I did my MBA at Pepperdine. And uh, after 13 years in high tech and sales management, I wanted to do something uh, different. And because I like sports so much, I wanted to be involved in sports marketing, yeah. which is uh, what I did for four years until my boss um, became CEO of a company in Oregon and uh, asked me to join him, which I did. Yeah. Then I went back into high tech during uh, the dot-com area. And when I did my MBA, I had an epiphany. I saw all of his uh, instructors who were either top-notch consultants working for Fortune 500 corporation and executive were entrepreneurs who were doing uh, their doctorate and say, one day I want to be one of them. Yeah. So when I came to uh, Oregon 10 years ago, I 
called the University of Phoenix because Pepperdine was not here and I perceived the University of Phoenix as being engaged in adult education. Mm -hmm. And uh, your predecessor, Jimmy Bob Hanks, entrusted me with the teaching of a small international class. Thank God there were only six students, so I couldn't do too much damage. <laughs> and that day I got the bug and I've been teaching ever since. So I'm now associate faculty at Maryland Hurst University, where I've been teaching for six years. Uh -huh. And I'm uh, doing my doctorate in management at uh, George Fox University. Fantastic. And my uh, research has to do with globalization and actually expatriation. I'm uh, researching cross-cultural factors affecting the acculturation of American expatriates in China. That's very cool. Wow. Okay. That opens a, that opens a, a big door. Uh, the whole issue of China blows me away. My daughter, we just started my daughter at the international school. She's five years old, full immersion Chinese. I think we're doing it because we're preparing her for, It's a great you decision, know. but the best decision you could do as a parent. I only wish my kid were 10 years younger and that's what they would be studying. Yeah, start them, start them with Chinese before it hurts, you know, because yeah. it I, hurts me. Mm -hmm. think I was it. in uh, Shanghai two, two months ago. That was the first time, but that was a yeah. part of the George Fox doctoral program. And, uh, you know, you can read all of Friedman, you can read the Lexus and the Leaf Tree, you can read the word is flat. Uh, you can read anything you want about globalization. It will never replace a one-week or two-week experience in China. It's just incredible. What is going on in China right now? First, I think uh, China is currently using 60% of the world concrete production. Most of the cement produced with uh, the joke is, uh, what's the national bird of China? It's the crane, because in one week, I think I saw a thousand cranes. Oh so when you look at the three or four cranes downtown Portland by the Pearl District or the waterfront, I mean, it, it simply doesn't add up. They're just, uh, at, they're just, they're just cookie cutter Hong Kongs all over the country. Absolutely. And the money, the capital is coming from Hong Kong, it's coming from Singapore, it's coming from uh, Taiwan, yeah. it's coming from Japan, it's coming partially from the US, but it, it's just mind blowing. The, the average building is 30 story high. And within a week, I saw, what, three, four, five hundred developments? And their approach is just uh, mind-boggling. Essentially, they would take five, ten, twelve acres of uh, sometimes existing property. The same houses that had been here in Shanghai for hundred years are being destroyed in a matter of weeks. Yeah. Then they build these really long two or three-story dorms. Uh, where they pile up three, four, five thousand young uh, men coming straight from the rice paddies. And then they have them uh, pour concrete 24 hours a day. Now, they don't work 24 hours a day. They actually, uh, labor is quite productive. Uh, people work an average of eight hours a day. But they have three shifts and they are pouring concrete and building 20, 24 hours a day nonstop at an incredible speed. At what point do, does Greenpeace come over and, and do the environmental study to make sure none of the protected animals are getting hurt? Well, first, Greenpeace would have to be allowed to, to the country. I'll give you an example. Uh, we're, yeah. we're a group of 35 students from uh, George Fox and uh, one just based on the health declaration that he had to do to enter the country was simply invited not to enter the country and after a 16-hour trip uh, was invited to spend the night at an hotel by the airport and was put in and a plane around. back to America, turn yeah, around, next time. So I was being you, a little facetious. It's a different market. I mean, yeah, it, no. it doesn't have that same level of regulation. I understand. You, 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 see, you still see a mixture, you see, in, in one hand, raw capitalism as we may have experienced here in the beginning of the 20th century, but still with a, a, the, a strong governmental control. And you feel, you don't see the Chinese Communist Party, but you feel the, the, the presence. There is a discipline, uh, for better or for worse. Uh, one good example would be that we're working anywhere in Shanghai at uh, around midnight, one o'clock in the morning in total safety. We're working, I would probably never do that in many parts of American cities, and maybe even French cities or European <laughs> cities. Yeah. And yet over there, you, you saw young people, um, male, female, walking, biking, cycling all around town and in total safety. So you knew it's a safe country. Is that a cultural thing or, a, uh, or, or just you feel the presence of, of a police 
I don't want to say police state it conjures up too much, but that's right. sort of what I'm getting at. You, is it fear? Yeah, because I mean, or you know, when I think about it, it's just confidence and safety. I lived in Korea for a little while, and it's, I mean, I, I am sort of associating this with a, with a more sort of Asian aesthetic. You know, I didn't spend that kind of time in, in China, but uh, we, we had very much a similar kind of feeling, uh, you know, in walking around the streets in the middle of the night. Yeah, and something in Japan where I remember reading that Tokyo is uh, one of the safest uh, cities yeah. in the uh, industrial world. Uh, I, th I think there is a fear. I don't know if people. It is because people grew up for the past seventy years in a strong communist country. Yeah, uh, we all remember. They built safe habits. Yeah, they think uh, safe. So you know. And I, I remember asking our guide, our Chinese guide, and uh, she, she was not too. Uh, direct in answer, but what she alluded to was the fact that um, nobody really wants to visit a Chinese uh, jail. Yeah. Oh. And so maybe that's, uh, I'm assuming that nobody wants to, to visit uh, an American jail either, but yeah. there, there is, you know, uh, there is an implication of maybe uh, a different world, a different yeah. reality. I mean, yeah, I mean, two years in jail or five years or ten years versus nobody will ever see you again yeah. or you're going to mm -hmm. lose a limb. I mean, yeah. It's a, yeah. a little yeah. different. Brutal punishment versus our version of correction and Which, corrective and right. re-education. What was interesting also, we visited several industrial parks and we visited one, uh, I think it was Shenzhou, which was a joint venture between the Chinese and Singaporean government. And in 1999, they invested a billion dollars and invited 250 multinational corporations. Today, eight years later, they have a total capital investment of $43 billion and 2,470 companies came from all over the planet. So the wow. equivalent would be for companies and government from all over the world to approach the mayor of Portland and say, we would like to spend $43 billion. Do you have some land for us? Right. And yeah. can you imagine the, the amount of job, I mean, the wealth creation that would be resulting from such an investment? What are all those people doing now? So, so there has to be an economy behind the jobs. The, what is the economy? We assume it's manufacturing, right? Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. So for, first, it's very important to understand that Shanghai is not China. Uh, Shanghai is a hybrid between uh, mainland China and what Hong Kong is. Over the past 10 years, the average GDP per capita in Shanghai uh, went from $2,700 per, per person per capita to around $9,800. So in how many years? In uh, 10 years. Wow. Right, Just that's incredible. Huge. That's significant. I mean, uh, huh. mm -hmm. I feel like your salary increasing five times yeah. over 10 yeah. years. I mean, that's nice. With the matter yeah. of 10 years. So with regards to uh, what do they do, uh, we visited, for example, a Black & Decker factory. I saw where my power tools were made, my Black & Decker and Dewart um, tools. I had a feeling of being in an American high school because there were three or four hundred uh, young Chinese between the age of 18 to 25 producing 95,000 power tools per day. 95,000 drills, tools uh, routers, I mean, uh, you know, uh, any power tools you could uh, think of uh, were made pretty much by hand. I mean, all the plastic molding, uh, the parts came from another factory in China. Uh, and here they were in a total harmony, uh, not even wearing uniforms and working together. Uh, it, it, was, it was such a, a vibrant uh, energy that was amazing. The, the salary, inquired about the salary conditions, a part-time worker earns $150 a month. A full-time worker earns anywhere from $200 to $250 a month. A starting engineer earns $600 a month, the equivalent of $600 a month and a qualified engineer earns a thousand dollar a month. Wow. So these are some of the numbers. Uh, but again, we'd have to put it like back to the Big Mac index. Well, that's, Big that's Mac right. Big Mac might cost us 50 cents there, so I mean, I don't, I don't know how well, that Well, yeah, I mean, that's a, that, I guess the next question, what's the, I mean, based on your, your experience in researching this, what is the, what is the state of the uh, purchasing the sweatshop, power. And what you is, know? I mean, well, it, I it sounds like... Guy, we, we had a, a young, uh, Guy Jennifer who was uh, 27 years old was, uh, I guess, engaged, and she said that uh, her and her uh, fiance had just purchased uh, uh, their condo. Wow. 
uh, we uh, we talked to somebody else who say I think he was making the equivalent of 600 US dollars per month as one of the top guides in the nation. His wife was actually a small uh, retail uh, owner, <laughs> uh, earning a little bit more, 750 dollars per month, and they said that every month they save her salary. So this couple earns. I guess thirteen hundred and fifty dollars per month, and they they put aside seven hundred and fifty dollars per month. Well, and you wonder why China is buying so much of our debt. I mean, if yeah, you, if you think and, of and that's that exactly way. what it is. Because the, if they the, don't buy our debt, and and if we struggle, then their economy struggles. Because who are they going to sell the goods to? Yeah, and the the Chinese national savings rate is around forty four percent, where the U.S. national savings rate is a negative seven. I guess last time I checked, maybe oh. worse. Now. Well, but that doesn't include your retirement four hundred one k's and that kind of stuff. So when they calculate that. That's personal. Right, yeah, yes, it personal doesn't say. Debt. Well, here's what you took out beforehand. Yeah. So, but yes, ours yeah, is horrible. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't we, we know we we have a, a consumer-driven right. spending economy, credit, plastic economy. Oh, we can't do it have, forever. Exactly. Exactly. Pipers come and do. Buy your safety gear. Go in a cave. Cover your out. house in visqueen and yes. duct tape. Uh, you know, this is a this is a fascinating conversation. I don't want to stop. But I know. we're like running on an hour, and uh, we are we are running out going. of time. And uh, but, uh, Alan, would you would you come back sometime and let's, let us have have more of your time yeah, to talk about more. this? Is such an interesting conversation, and and uh, and I think it behooves more of a yeah we more need because this is like this. we're just yeah, getting like like, we're just wow. getting started. Uh, so we will have a part two uh, with Alan Gracianet. Thank you so much for Thank joining you so much us, for being Alan. Me. It is it is wonderful to talk to you. And and Jamie, you got to bust out of here pretty quick. I do. Yes, uh, I do. Well, Apologize. it's good to see you, man. It's good to spend the hour with you. This it's like going good. back in time. This is good. Uh, for Jamie Whitley and Pete Wright, uh, uh, this has been Beer Thirty Live. We're up. We're up.